Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest on Ruckus Avenue Radio. What's up, everybody? You're back with a conversation on Ruckus Avenue Radio and Dash. My name is Abu Bakr Khan, and I am your host. So today in the studio, it's been a crazy day. Um, I got here late. I apologize first and foremost, man. I've been running around the city, and I had to run in here to see my guest, man, Mr. Amir K. Is it how do how do white people say it? Amir K. or Amir K. Amir K. Amir K. How do your parents say it? Amir. Amir. Yeah, yeah Amir. That's how you say it in Farsi. Yeah. Amir K. But the last name is Kamiab. Yeah, Kamiab. But uh, I just—it's uh, funny. I I just you do the K because back it's in easier. the day. Yeah, it's just easier. And also back in the day, it was just like. Bunch of comics started calling me that because because of a marquee. I had my name. I had a show. At yeah, the Haha up in North Hollywood, and they um it was called So Funny Sundays, uh with Amir K. Yeah, they couldn't fit my whole last yeah, name. yeah you can't. They couldn't fit my whole last name, so I just said uh, So Funny Sundays with Amir K. And then all the comics would just be like, Yo, Amir K, what up, man? And then it just that's how it happened. And then it just stuck, and I kind of liked it. I was like, Oh, it's cool. It's kind of you know sticks. It's shorter because there's a lot of Amir cons. For sure. And a lot of people do that. They go, Amir Khan, they'll say that. And yeah, I bet you, he gets yeah. some follows. The whole, my, my G, the boxer, Amir Khan. And you get to say, you're like, God damn it. No, no it's man. Ka- it's, how does Kamyab? Kamyab, yeah. What does that mean? It means like rare or lucky. And yeah. uh, I think in Urdu, it means Kamyab means victory. Okay. That's so dope. Badass, yeah, it's a dope it's, last name. A dope powerful last name. last name. And I, I, I do love it. Yeah. So look, we have Amir K in the building today. Dude, I got to say, when I first uh, actually met you, I, I dapped hands with you. This was at a show that you were doing with, uh, is it D-Ray Davis, D-Ray, Mon- remember Mundarays? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, uh, Darn- what was the name, Darnell? Darnell Rollins. Darnell, Ro- Darnell, yeah, Darnell Rollins. That was the day that he was doing uh, his bit. And I remember I was just listening to everybody. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was in December. Mm. So December, I'm here with my grandfather, with my cousin. My grandfather wasn't at the show, but it was me and my cousins. <laughs> okay. And uh, it was interesting seeing you because I remember I was like, man, I, I've never, I don't really see a lot of, um, like a lot of different, a lot of brown comics in a sense. I don't see that many. Mm-hmm. And then when I listened to you, it was hilarious, man. Oh, thank you, bro. You did the, the, I think you did the Gandalf bit too. You pulled out your hair. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I kind of riff around sometimes. You so. killed it, man. It was incredible. And so that's why too, when I, that day, I remember I met you um, just briefly. And then we met at the, the Rami show. Yeah, dude, that was cool. It's always cool to link up with people. You know, it's like you, life brings you into certain situations for reasons a hundred percent man it's uh i think that the one thing i've learned about life too is that it just sounds it's stranger than fiction mm-hmm. it's great it doesn't make sense if you're open to it dude i've been like just listening to and reading a lot of different like you know texts about just you know the thinking and just positive thinking and all that stuff what are you reading just, right now just the power of positive energy power of positive things. it's like literally all Type of stuff like that. Just, you know, it's like a lot a lot to do with like uh, manifestation and visual, visualization. And dude, I'm telling you, it's so crazy how when you just start thinking right and positive, like stuff just falls into place. It does. Man. You know what I mean? It's just like open up like we were talking. Just like have a conversation with somebody next to you that you normally wouldn't and don't operate from fear. Yo, you know what I'm saying? When people are so scared to talk or like say make the first move or, you know. That's a whole Women, concept. Women, you're on your phone. You're just trapped into this thing. But it's like, you know, not that I'm super woke or anything about it, but I just, I've been realizing, because I, you know, I'd be stuck in some depressing times and that's only when I start thinking negative and you start thinking about your situation in a negative, in a negative way. And then you just keep perpetuating that. It doesn't, it doesn't it's, help. It's easy to do that, especially in LA. Because well, you see everybody else, you know, doing their thing and everybody's, you know, have their highlight reel 
on Instagram or, you know, Twitter or social media or something. Well, I want to talk about that too, man. I want to talk about your journey. Because again, what you've been accomplishing now, man, how you're on all of these billboards, Amir K. I remember just driving around. I'd say, oh, Amir K. I said, that's sweet. Mm -hmm. But I know that that's not, people see that. They see, like you said, the highlight reel. Yeah, it ain't about that. They don't the marquees aren't the thing. It's just about doing the work. And But no one sees the work, right? We, yeah. I think I've talked about that before where it's, man, the process is something that we never really document online either. Mm -hmm. We don't document the times where maybe you were doing stand-up and has there ever been a time where you've done stand-up and bombed? Oh, that, I can't even tell you how many times. That's the whole beginning. You know, that's the whole that you go through those, you go through the, the bomb sets to get to the good ones. You know what I mean? You bomb, you bomb, you bomb until, you know, those bombs become fewer and far between like, but you still have them. There's always a bomb in the deck. You know, you just never know. When we, it's we, hit. Two brown guys saying bomb a lot, man. You know what I mean? It's going to get us in trouble, but yeah, I feel you. <laughs> so, for you though, because this is what I'm fascinated by again is, how did you even get into into comedy, man? You know, I was always like, I loved, I, I, I you know, I think about that a lot now. It's just like, I even was like looking at some videos. You know, I don't have too many videos of me as a kid, you know, but there was a few that like my, one of my uncles, you know, like we say uncle, like like you guys say uncle, like it's. Yeah you know, third cousin or something, but he's, he's not really your, yeah, he's not really your uncle. uncle, but he showed me some videos and they live up here in LA. Yeah. It was for me, for me and kid. And I'm just doing what I'm doing now, you know, like being funny, like just, you know, messing around or riffing or coming yeah. up with something in the room, joking about. How know, old were you in one of these videos? I mean, this was, I was probably like six or seven, maybe no, maybe seven or eight or something like that. But I mean, it just, you could just tell. So, Looking back, I remember that I I love that, and that's the way I feel like I connected with my classmates and stuff, especially being like you know immigrant. You know, was Wait, like, were you born out here? I was born in Iran. No, I came when I was five. So okay, damn. So yeah. we came, yeah, five. I mean, early enough for me not to have an accent and all that, and you know, um, be able to pick up the language quite. quite but you easily. spoke fluent Farsi before that. I did, yeah, fluent. But that was my first language, and then you know, picked up English and. Um, and that's it. Like I felt, I would, I remember maybe that's the thing. Like if I really was to go back in the psychology of why I got into it, but I think that maybe I realized that laughter was a way that I could connect with people, you know, maybe, I don't know for, for sure. But I know, I always know that I was like always, whether it was for attention or whatever, but I would just make jokes in class and, you know, make my friends laugh and stuff like that. So I think that that was the seed. It's interesting you say that, man. When I was uh, in the seventh grade, I never formally finished the seventh grade because mm -hmm. um, my family, we moved to Pakistan. Oh, wow. And so for a whole year, man, um, I just, I lived there and it was a great time, but I never fit in, fit in there either. Yeah. Right. And I came back and I remember eighth grade. It's like, it's high school in Canada. It's high school. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a middle school. Grade eight. Yeah. Yeah. Grade eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, there we go. You know. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Don't, they don't say like. Yeah. They don't eighth say eighth grade. grade. They, yeah. Like, I was grade nine. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not many people know that here, but yeah, whenever I say, when I used to, I've heard, I got, I got to ask you about that. I heard you came up to Vancouver and you were telling me that day. Um, actually, since I saw you, just quick tangent, when I saw you that day at, at the Rami uh, showing, I told my friend, I was like, yeah, there's uh, Amir K. I met him. And he said, oh, I, was, oh, I saw that guy do stand up in Vancouver oh, hilarious. Uh, at the 100 Year Gala. Yeah, the 100 Year Gala. That was dope. It was so cool to he see. He told me, but he said, he said, yo, this guy was hilarious. But the crowd, I don't think they were giving him, but you know how our crowds are. They don't give you any energy. Yeah, because it's like, it's so funny because it's like, it's like that with the Iranian crowds too. And I try not to do a lot of those. I mean, not that I don't, I try not to. I just, it just seems like the rooms are not conducive to stand-up show. Wait, so know? what's that like? It well, just, like, it just, you know, you do the show and it's like, if, you know, like when you're, when you're like funny, a... you're funny, but it's like, you know, and the people that get it, get it like your friend. Yeah. 
And and you see those people like enjoying the show. You're making so, eye contact with them. Yeah, like, they but see I you. mean, I've always struggled with that. Like, you know, I'll catch the one guy not having a good time. And that's a very common thing with comedians is we'll always look at the one guy that's not enjoying it. And then you think like, that's the guy, you know, it's, it's just some-, some Say, I got to make him laugh now. Yeah, and it's just stupid because it doesn't matter. You know, it's like- yeah. You are, who, you know, I'm good. I've been doing this for years. Like, I, I know. That you don't I'm need great. the validation from that one dude. Yeah, but it, it's it's weird. We just do. Like, comedians do need it. That's why I'm on stage every night. You know, selfishly, I know it makes people laugh and they have a good time. But also, I get a lot out of that. That's why I was going to, the story I was getting at too is that when I was in the eighth grade, man, I came back and dirty mustache, 6'3", whatever it may be. And I was just trying to fit in. And that's when I was just a class clown. Mm -hmm. That was it. I, like, I think that's that's why, you know, like, guys like you and me, like we did that was because to just to fit in. And that was the way that we found that people would like us. Yeah. And you know, and that's it. And it's like, as I get older, you try to fit in and fit in so much. But even in the early days of comedy, I was trying to fit in with all these you know, different comics. It was just like high school again. I, I kicked it with everyone, by the way, like growing up always. Yeah. Nerds, cool kids, everyone. Yo, you know? Same like, here, man. Yeah. Because I just, you know, I, 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 I just liked everyone's, I like to know about everything. And I think that's what makes me maybe good at like, being You're able curious. to be relatable to everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can go and do a, a, a ethnic room. I could do a white room. I could do whatever it is, a, a Latino room. I could do any yeah. type of room because I just know how people think and what, because I was always open to it. I think that's the key. And never like turned off to like, oh no, I won't listen to whatever. Like that's gross and not try that. Or like, oh, well, why do you guys do it like that? That's weird. Yeah. I just never thought it was weird because I first came from, you know, uh, Iranian background. So we had all the weird food to the other kids, you know, or whatever. I was like, in my, you know, what would you bring to school? Yeah, I money. didn't really. We had, I did the school lunch thing, you know. Yeah, but, but I mean, my mom's a hell of a cook. But what's the we just what's had, like, favorite the dish? Kit, huh? What's your favorite dish that she? She makes these lamb shanks, bro. This is freaking good, huh? unbelievable, and she knows that's my favorite thing. Or like this thing called badam june. Yeah, and it's like badam badam june. It's like this stew with like some meat meat in there and like some eggplant. You couldn't take that so to school, good. huh? I don't even care. To, I mean, I don't even know. If, Sometimes I would probably take some leftovers or something to school, but and yeah. they didn't know how good. I remember it was. I had lava shack. This shit called lava shack, which is like uh, it's like a fruit roll-up basically, but it's like our version of it. Yeah, and it looks like leather. You yeah. know, like it looks like if you look at it. And so I was telling the kids it was leather, bro. I'm like, and then you're yeah, eating it from Iran, and yeah. they're like, dude, this is so good. It's leather. I don't know. I think I would lie a lot when I was a kid too. I don't know what, but just maybe. Would that kind in. of be? Yeah, would it be like it was I, just bullshit? Because I was like, you know, about whatever, and they didn't really know. You'd you know, exaggerate the truth. Sometimes, maybe just to be so people would like me. Wait, but were there a lot of Persians? Or, or no, not where I lived. I mean, in Orange County, there is, but not now where I grew up in the city of Orange. So, so was it? Was it? Like, it was like a lot of Vietnamese, Mexican. Yeah, um, it was diverse. White. It was very diverse, yeah. Like some black, and it was just like every, a mix of everybody. But I remember at that time, because of the Vietnam War stuff, and then they all came over. Yeah. And then their kids now were going to school. That's who I went. There was a lot of that in my school too, you know, like a lot of Vietnamese. Kids. So they were going through that, and I'm uh, assume, but I hate to assume, but it was like the Iranian Revolution, all that stuff. Yeah, that too. that also, but like it's weird because we, my dad, for some reason, which I'm so grateful for, because I have some cousins that moved to Texas. We were supposed to go to Texas, and I'm just like, damn, dude, I'm so glad I didn't because nothing wrong with Texas, but <laughs> I performed there and stuff, and. I, I'm just glad I'm here. What's the what's the big difference when you perform out in Texas? No, it's not 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 the the stand up thing. It's just yeah. like the the you know the people. And so I, and I don't know. My cousins have dealt with some you know maybe a lot of racist stuff, a little racist shit, and you know just not as open minded as the West Coast is. You're listening to Ruckus Avenue Radio.
Why'd they move to LA? I don't places? know, man. I, I, why did they? Or, yeah, your parents. Uh, oh, because my dad already, he had gone to Cal State Fullerton. He was already here. Like he came when he was like younger to go to school. Yeah. Um, you know, like he came out here and did some school stuff and went to Cal State Fullerton. First came to Oklahoma and then he moved to Cali. And he's dude, like, thank God he didn't stay in Oklahoma. Yeah, dude. But that's how people would do it because it was a lot easier to get in and, you know, get your paperwork and stuff because everyone was coming to like the coast, like yeah, New York yeah. or LA. So they were like, fuck it. They could go to somewhere like, Oklahoma. Some crazy place and like get their paperwork passed through a little quicker, I guess. And then um, they rolled out here. And then, yeah, some somehow he rolled out here and he just loved it. And he was like, dude, this is it. And, you know, and then he had like a little bit of connects here, you know, like knew some people. And so I think it was just familiar to him. So we ended up coming here. And was your dad or your mom, are there any of them pretty funny? or, or they My dad's of- funny in his own way. Like he's got this little sarcastic, you know, but yeah. kind of like negative, you know what I mean? Like shit talking in a way. Yeah, does he ever? Really funny. Is it like kind of a little bit of condescend, uh, condescending? Oh, or? for sure. Yeah, and it was just like bashing and like really good at talking shit, you know. But like, like kind of like, I don't know, just in his own way. Would it be towards you or just the people? In yeah, oh yeah, towards me, toward my brother. What kind of stuff you say mom. to you? Just stupid shit. I don't even know. I mean, it's like stuff you don't want to tell your children, but you know. <laughs> but it was funny. Like it was just like funny shit talking, you know. That's like, so. If for me, it was similar to man. It's like they're. I think for them, they've gone through a lot of stuff. We all go through shit, right? I think that's that's mm-hmm. something. But for them, um, having to leave where they came from, showing up out here, man, where you, does your dad have an accent? A little bit, yeah. It's weird, though. It's not like your normal Iranian accent. It's yeah. like, because he went to Oklahoma, so it's got a little bit of that twang, to, you know, like- with the, with the with Like the a little bit, yeah. It's like, you know, I don't know. I can't, but when you hear it, it's not your typical- yeah, you know it's not I mean? the strong. Uh, no, it's not like what are you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. it's like it's not that crazy. And I always thought he his act he was pretty good, but yeah, he would fuck up somewhere. It's like this is the whole world, you know, world, world, world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I don't know. It's so funny. Um, but like shit they would do, they didn't even you know know. But he sacrificed so much, so it's like, yeah, I used to have a lot of resentment for him when I was a kid, you know, because I thought he didn't love me and they were ne- he was never around and shit. And you know, did he ever tell you when you were young that he loved you? Like, that's the thing that I never... Yeah, never, well, I mean, weird. I don't think it's like our parents don't really do that. I don't know why, especially our fathers. Oh, hell no, man. <laughs> and then my mom was just a kid. So, like, you know, she was a kid, bro. I can't imagine having two kids when she was, like, 22 with two kids. Like, dude, I didn't know shit when I was 22, man. So, when I, as I get older, I realize that they were doing their best, man. So, whatever, whatever happened, happened. You know, we weren't, like, crazy you know, wealthy. We came and lived in some shitty apartment, but like, it was cool. Like the neighborhood we lived in, it was a bunch of kids. Yeah, it builds it like character. A, yeah, and it builds character. And so in our neighborhood, there was like every different kid and we would just play in the street all day, dude, until night and just like- Hang out. They didn't like, we just kind of, my brother and I raised ourselves. My dad was never home. You know, my mom was cool, but we moved with my dad when I was like in fifth grade. So, yeah. um, and he just was never around. So Wait, where was your dad? Like he was just working? He would work, man. He, he, you know, he had a little bit of a, I don't know, he had a gambling problem. So he'd be at the casino a bunch. He liked to chase women. So he would do all that, you know, and yeah. whatever. That was my, my example of, of how to be a man. So it kind of, kind of fucked me up a little bit. But um, it's all good. Like, I, I think I grew from it. Now I realize like what, you know, what's good and bad about what, how he was and how he is. And still, and I don't want to, I mean, like, I hate to say it, but I don't want to end up like how, you know, like that because it's kind of empty. And I see even to this day, like he'd be with just so many different, every week he'd have a different girlfriend or. Yeah, it's not fulfilling. It's just not fulfilling, man. But that's what I thought it was about to be a man was to like, oh, you just, 
same know, thing. Hang out dude. with as many women as possible. Like that's how well, that's what it is to be a man. And I, and then I would do that because I think that was my example that I that I had. So now I realize that's not it, and I and I just don't enjoy that. You know, dude, it's uh, it's interesting you're saying all that too, um, because I was raised, and I, I've said this once before too, where it's hypermasculinity was really big. Oh, 100%. It's, big it's like macho is yeah, the best the way. You know, you're the man. Like, no, yeah. this is my son. Like, he yeah. wrestles and like, you know, we did all that. Like, and that was all, you know, because you wanted to impress your dad or, you know, you wanted the validation. You don't want to ever show them any weakness. No. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't operate like that. It that's, it's kind of, it's kind of toxic or whatever you want to say, but it, that's just the way, you know, we were raised. I think that's just… So that's what I what I've been learning, man. In, in this whole journey of life, too, is that the vulnerability is always seen as weakness, but I've also realized it's it's strength, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then growing up for me, when I did have, I had all these uncles, so they just always make fun of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be the the tall one with the big mouth, and they used to call me big mouth. Yeah, and uh, they used to call me bo, and I was like, what is bo? And then I learned it was body odor, and oh. then I mean, like things like that. Then I went to all boys Catholic school. That you must be gay. And I was like, what? I was like, what? I don't know. I don't, I don't, sexuality. I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So I got to get a girlfriend now. So it was just like, I remember that it was a lot of, what I've learned is like you said about your mother, how she was just a kid. She was young. They didn't even know like advice to give. Yeah. Or My mom had no idea what was going on. Like I was teaching her how to be American. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was coming home and going, you can't do this. You can't do this. is how you do this. Yeah. You know? So I think our dynamic was a little messed up. You know, it's, it's weird. Like, it wasn't like a father, it was a mother son. It was like you know where I can go to her and be like, "Mom, I, I gotta talk to you about this. Like, how do I do this with this girl?" I had no, I didn't, I just made it up on my own. With the girl, would you? Yeah, you can't even say no, that. Like, like yeah, like, no, talk. I'm just saying like you know, I example. like this girl or like you know, like my American friends would be like talk to their mom or dad about like something, and I just and my dad was dude. He just never you know you'd be talking to him. He wasn't listening. Like he's still okay, to this attention. day. Like he doesn't pay. He'll ask you something. He's just. He's not there. It's you know. He's just like, oh, okay, well, like no cool. idea. It's it's interesting too because again, there's no hand like handbook for no. For being and there, a and you just do your best, and you do. And like my dad's mom died when he was like five, dude, four or something. Like he didn't know. No, he doesn't even know how to do the love thing. But yeah, we'll be right back. We're here with Amir K on Ruckus Avenue Radio Dash on the conversation. Ruckus Avenue Radio. What's up, everybody? You're back with a conversation on Ruckus Avenue Radio and Dash. My name is Abu Bakr Khan. And today, again, we got Mr. Amir K in the building. What's happening? So, yo, look, man, before we took the break, we were talking about how uh, uh, I met this guy, this Uber driver, and he was talking about, um, we're talking about love, man. It's crazy because, again, Nipsey, this stuff is it's fresh. Mm-hmm. Like, it's happening. It's crazy. And uh, he was saying, again, how, you know what, we're at a young age. It's like, if you're not brought up properly, um, you're going to be, you don't know what love is. You don't really know how to, Take it in. You're just confused. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of trust issues come from, so on and so forth. So even when you talk about like your dad and how his mother passed away at the age of five, man. And his dad was in the military, so he was never around. And so he was raised by some lady that didn't really want to have him. You know what I mean? Like she had her own kids and then he, she would feed him last. And she, you know what I mean? So he Yeah, got, that messed with you, man. That messed with your psyche. Dude, his whole head was messed up from women. You know what I mean? Yeah. From women. It was like, you know, he didn't trust anybody. He was very skeptic. Like, I mean, he taught me that. Like, don't trust anyone. Any, You know what I mean? It's like, that, yeah, subconsciously, age. you just get that from so him. When, so when you were young then, or, or even in high school then, was it was that how you, you it seems like you weren't like that. You were pretty open. Mm, I mean, I think I got to that, you know? But yeah. like, uh, 
And like, I remember always in high school, like my friend's parents loved me. You know what I mean? Cause like, yeah. that was like where I would get my love. I feel like is from them. It wouldn't know? be at home. Yeah. No. Cause I'd go out. I would want to stay at their place longer than I wanted to go home. You know, yeah, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah. Cause like I knew I'd go home. My dad, no one was home. You know what I'm saying? And then it's just my, me and my brother. And then my, the way the dynamic my dad set up was like me and my brother were always like budding. Competing. Yeah. Competing. And like, you know, and it was just like this toxic place, like always. Even now, like if, if me and my brother are hanging out, my dad, and like we can kick it together, me and him. But like if my dad's in the mix, bro. It's different. It's huh? like we got five minutes, dude. And then after that, it's just like, you know, we just go off on each other or something. And it's not cool. It's hard, man. It's hard. But that's, it's a big theme, I think, for a lot of young people, a lot of young men as well, where it's like these, like it's an absence of love. Um, I've been researching a lot about intergenerational love, which is basically that, you know what, it all adds up. So if you're not getting that love, like you're the fact that like you just said, your the fact that your dad wasn't able to get that, then it's harder for you and so on. So someone has to yeah. unpack it. But I don't blame him because like he didn't know any yeah. better. So How like he, he did to? the best he could, I guess, with what he had. Yeah. And now I feel like, I mean, I had this theory of like, okay, everyone just does a little bit better than what they had. You know what I mean? So like, hopefully when I have kids that I'm better and I, because of what I went through that, You've seen I it. go, oh, okay, let me, let me like, you know, give a little more to these kids. A lot more to these kids, so they have that feeling of worth or like that feeling of like you're loved. You know what I'm saying? It's it's it goes hand in hand again with the fact that when you don't have something, you understand it, you appreciate it more. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. But at the same time, which is a trip, is like I'm glad I am the way I am. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm glad I turned out this way because if it wasn't for my father, I probably wouldn't be doing stand up, and I probably wouldn't be doing the stuff I'm doing right now, which I absolutely love so it's like it's a catch-22 so, so wouldn't you say that it's the tough part is you people a lot of people want to live a comfortable life they don't want to go through something like that mm -hmm. but then if they actually do go through it then they're able to like it's like yeah i didn't say, add, yeah. i mean not that i asked for it or like i didn't make myself go through it but i just lived it and then i was like okay and then you know a lot of comedians will have some sort of issues with, you know, family or whatever. Is that a, a big thing? It, it, it tends to be, it yeah. seems like. They're looking for some validation or something from their parents that they didn't get. And now you seek it through a crowd. Uh, night after night after night, you know, that their acceptance and their, you know, some sort of worth they give you. And I know I do, um, but it's not necessary. I mean, there's other comedians that are great, like that had great, you know, backgrounds. Or whatever. Yeah, so it's, I don't think it's like the key ingredient, but there is a lot of it. That's interesting. And so you started, when did you start doing stand-up? You're in high school, you're making people laugh. Yeah, I mean, I always was like dabbling in like, anytime I had an elective, to, you know, when they you can choose an yeah, elective I know, course, like, man, I, would do like, I would do like, oh, theater or like any improv class or like acting or something that like I get to perform or like be in front of. Um, the creative stuff. Yeah, creative stuff, always. And so like, it was always that. And then when I was like 17 or 18, I did an open mic. I was like, oh, I want to do this thing. You it was know? the first I always, ever. I always thought like, you know, for immigrants and shit, it's like, you always think like, you know, the entertainment thing is for, that's not for you. It's, no, for, it's for people that were here and they have family that did it. And like, they're, yeah. you know, they're brought up around it. And so I was, we thought it was so far away. It's like, dude, there's no way. But you, have, but did you ever see anyone that looked like you doing it? You know, I didn't until I got older. So there mean? was no like, one. So there wasn't like too many guys that I was like, oh, that guy, you know, he looks like me that's doing the same thing. Or and that like makes, but that makes it harder too. Cause you're just like, it doesn't seem like you just said like it's unobtainable. Yeah. It's unobtainable until you get older and you go, oh, wow. Look, there's Maz, Maz Jabrani. He's doing it. And like, yeah. then I saw Dan Adu, who's a really good buddy of mine now, who, who was actually, it was really cool. This last Saturday, I was doing a couple shows at the improv uh, here in Hollywood. And Dan, I had him like opening for me, had to do in a few minutes before I did yeah. my hour. 
And uh, he's just a good friend of mine now, but he's the one of the like inspirations of like, I was sitting in, uh, you know, I had a real estate business. This is after high school, after college and shit. And I started doing real estate appraisals and I had a condo and I was like living this life that I created for myself, making money, but like, I wasn't happy. Dude. So you, but you went through that journey. I went through it all, but then I'm watching Comedy Central and I remember I saw him and it was, he was an Iranian dude. He's Iranian, Jewish Iranian dude. Yeah, he, and, hold on. He's a Jewish Iranian oh, dude. That's but, crazy. I love it. Well, there's, a lot. The huge Jewish Iranian community here, which I didn't even grow up around. And yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I wasn't really familiar with either, but until I moved to LA or went to UCLA, then I saw oh, these are a lot of Persian Expanded, Jews. Expanded, yeah, yeah. Which, um, yeah, they're super cool. And I have uh, good friends that are uh, Persian Jews as well. And me and my family, we're not really religious, you know? Like, we're just not. My dad was just a total skeptic and just, it's all bullshit, you know? Yeah. My mom, you know, she did the the phoning it in, you know what I mean? Had a Quran and shit, but like not. She had the, like the bare minimum. Yeah, like, yeah, I was doing it. You put it in my car, you know, like had a Quran in my car. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it yeah, just little thing. It. Yeah, like, you know, whatever, like little things and, you know, but, but not, not super serious. You know, my grandmother was here five times a day when she would come to visit from Iran, but I, yeah. I you know, I only got to see her probably like a handful, 20 times in my Three life. times. But anyways, um, I'm watching Comedy Central in my condo by the beach in Huntington. And I'm thinking I'm, you know, I'm doing my thing, but I'm always thinking like, dude, I should be doing stand up. I should be doing something you know, entertaining. And then Dan comes on and it's premium blend. And I told this story on stage on Saturday, yeah. this last Saturday. And Dan's in the crowd and I was telling him because the audience just saw him and he killed. And I go, this is Dan right here. Give it up for him one more time. And I told the story about yeah. watching Comedy Central. Dan comes out and it's Comedy Central. I'm like, oh, he's like, He's like, I was like me. a few years older than me too, but he's like my, around my age and he's doing it. He's up there and he's doing any, he, in the end of his set, he did a set. And then at the end of it, I saw it in his eyes, dude, that he was so, cause he goes, thank you guys so much. Like for letting me do this. Like, thank you. And like in his eyes, it was like, I'm living my dream. Yeah. And I just turned off, dude, I couldn't watch comedy central after that for until I started comedy because I was like, yeah. it was eating away at me that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to put here to do basically. Yeah. Have you read The Alchemist? I know it's everyone Dude, talks about it. Dude, that changed my life, bro. When and did I you know read it's, the Alchemist? it's like, you want to say it sounds cheesy because, like, you know, you got all these basic people going, like, oh, cliches you know, are a cliche it, for a reason, bro. It's this a, shit changed my life. When did I was, you read it? Dude, I, okay, I read it yeah. when um, I, I moved to LA with the girl. So after the real estate market crashed in 2007, right, 2000, 2007, 2007, I started losing, I lost like all my business in one month because the that's that was all my business was these subprime lenders who would send me appraiser yeah, appraisals. Yeah, yeah. So when the market tanked, they were the subprime people were the first to they were that Wrong, was the yeah. market that was hit that was screwing everything up, all these inflated values yep. and everyone's loans defaulting. So I lost like 70, 80% of my business in like a month or two. What dude. was so what I, was that like? Just quickly, dude. Just it like, just it, it was like I was a kid, so I didn't I was 24, 25, you know. Yeah. Shit hit the fan. I go, oh my God, now I got all these bills. I got a G-Wagon, Mercedes. I got a condo. I got, you know. Yeah. Um, and the cash flow stopped. HOA to pay. And then now I'm not making money. And this was like, we were going out and, you know, in Orange County and Newport Beach and buying hard. tables and every night, you know. And then I'm like, this will never end. We're kids. And then it hit. And then I'm like, oh my God. But the my parties got to end sometime. My girlfriend at the time, she had just moved into my condo from, she flew in from Maryland and yeah. to live with me. And um, did I just turn this off? No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so when the market did that, she wanted to go to LA. She was like really big into moving up here and working at a PR company. So she got a job at this PR firm yeah. right at that time. And I still have my condo. So I'm like, let's go. Fuck it. Let's just go to LA and I'll figure something out. 
I'll figure it out to do I'll make it work. So I moved, we moved to LA and uh, she gets the job and I'm still, and we're right across from the Laugh Factory, bro. And I'm seeing the Laugh Factory mm-hmm. every day and I'm still don't have the balls to go. Yeah. Cause I'm like, this is LA. You didn't even go and check it out. No, I I would. I would kind of like, you know, like just barely like go in there and see like, I just wanted to be there so bad. I would remember running. I'd be jogging every day, like going and like see the sign. I'm like, I want to be there one day. (laughs) And then, um, and then I read the alchemist dude. Like like, how did you, how did you get One of my buddies. So this, my, my, one of my boys, this guy, Rudy Bustamante, I went to college with, he was living here too. And he's like, dude, you got to check this book out. Read this book, the alchemist. I think he gave me a copy and I was like, all right. And they're like, dude, this this will change the way you think. Dude, I read that book, and then like very shortly after I started, because I was still I was in LA for about a year before I started. So 2008, I moved to LA. Yeah. Not until 2009, February, did I start comedy. So it took me a year. It's been ten to years the since balls. then. Yeah, and now I've been doing stand up for ten years. I never stopped once I started. And I read that book, and I was like, dude, I don't want to be this guy that you know that doesn't fulfill, find his personal legend. Yep. The, the fact that you brought the eyes up, that was a big thing for me when you said that. The what? When you said how you're watching his stand-up and you saw it in his Dude, eyes. Dude, I saw it in his eyes. Personal was, legend, that's yep. what it is. He was living his dream, dog. And, I, and and then I moved up here and I remember the first couple times I met Dan, I told him, I've told him 10 times, you know? Yeah. But, but, and it's so cool. Even guys like Moz, you know, like who I toured with for five years almost. Like that was the guy doing stand-up in the Persian community. And then I remember when I first, and like, my parents were like, oh yeah, he's doing it. And they always believed in me. It wasn't like they weren't encouraging me. Yeah, like my yeah. dad didn't give a shit what I was doing as long as I made him money. You know? And when they were like, oh no, they want you to be a lawyer, doctor, because those jobs, if you do them, safety. You safety and you're gonna make money because that's just how it works. Yeah. Well, that's so they the don't say ma- maliciously, don't follow your art, the, the your passion in the arts. They just know that the sure bet is to do the school. Yeah. And then go f- go into the field that, you know, is a money-making field, because then they don't have to worry about you. Yeah. So I understand that now, but um, yeah, my mom was always like, you know, you're funny, you can you know do whatever you want. They always say you can do whatever you want, but I always thought I knew best. Yeah. Ruckus Avenue Radio. Hey, that's I think how all of us think. Yeah. So I go, I know what I'm doing, you know, and then I was making money, and then I then and I was that would be making my dad, pr- you know, pick my dad up in the G wagon, be like, look at this shit, look at what I got, <laughs> you know, like I did this. And like, Wait, what was that me. like? Because yo, I've never done that. I got my fourth fusion out of Vancouver. You were picking your own, your, your dad, the guy you just said, the way. Yeah, he like was, I would, I would try to impress him. him. Yeah, like I was always trying to impress him with yeah. money or like how I'm doing, and that's all but the. Did, did it work? Because like, I'm sure there's people yeah. that are going to be listening, that they're like, yo, they want to do that. Dude, don't do it. Look, this, it's it's an empty thing. It's an empty yeah. thing you're chasing because if you're chasing that, yeah, sure, your dad will maybe smile a little bit about, oh yeah, my son's making a little money. But I just know my relationship with my dad isn't isn't the way that it's supposed to be, dude. Yeah. He only asks about, you know, are you making money? Are the people respecting you? Are they con- It's just like, it's ego shit. It's yeah. all ego stuff, dude. It's only ego. And it's, and that's not where it's at, bro. It's, are you happy in your heart? Are you happy in your head? Are you good? Are you feeling good? Like, he doesn't ask me those questions yeah. ever. And not none of our parents really, I don't know, man, maybe some do, but I just- No, it's, not, well, it's not normal. It's my not mom normal. might like, but I, like I said, I, my dynamic's so messed up with her that like, I always felt like the parent in that situation. But with my dad, dude, I mean, it's frustrated me to no end that he never asked me, how yeah. are you feeling? How are you? And then cares about it. He'll yeah. ask me, oh, okay, all right, okay. Well, I don't want to keep you, you know, all right, like, it's never, he's never listening. Sincerely. He, I could ask him something or about what I've been doing and he, he will, oh, do you have any movies coming? Like he'll ask me shit that he, 
so he can go tell his friends like, hey, dude, you know, like, look, my son isn't, you know. Because, But that's the where the validation comes in is when someone else is like, oh my, when you can tell them. I don't, yeah, I don't tell them anything, dude. I don't tell them if I'm doing any comedy, any, any taping of any yeah. sort. I mean, I, after the fact, maybe. My brother tells him more of what I'm doing than than he. And I think it's just because I've, I had just such a, I just, you know, I, I'm realizing that that's not what my value is. It's not, I don't want him to think that, because he, he did it for so many years. You know what I mean? Made me think that these are the things I got to prove to him or something. And I just stopped doing it. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't really chase that carrot anymore. I, I said this uh, once before too, man. It's like the day I told my dad, I said the day that I stopped trying to make you happy is the day you became happy. Mm -hmm. I started doing my thing. That's it, bro. And yeah. that's, if you're listening and that's your thing, because I did the school thing. I lied yeah. to myself for years, bro. And said, oh yeah, I'm just doing this for my parents and make them happy. Make them, dude, you did you, it. Bottom line. Yeah. You got one shot at this life. Yeah. You got one life and that's it. And if you're going to waste it trying to make your parents happy, you're messing up. That's true. I think you're messing up. I because love that, man. it's all you, man. It's all you. It's all you. And trust me, if you live and you fulfill whatever destiny you're supposed to be fulfilling with doing what you're supposed to be doing and what you're put here to do, your passion to what to do, they're going to become happy. And But don't, look, isn't it just crazy when that happens though? Like when you start doing that, when you started going to the Laugh Factory, mm -hmm. isn't life, life is just different. Dude, it was like, it was like, I started living then, I think. I was like, okay. And sure, it was really tough. And it was like, I broke up with my girl really quickly after I started because it was so hard on the relationship. I'd never see her. I lived on my homie Rudy's couch, the one yeah. that um, when we broke up and it, I was living in like a plush situation dude before her, her family was loaded i didn't have money you know i had my condo that people they were still paying me rent but i wasn't paying the mortgage so i had a little bit of money but that all dried up and then they foreclosed on my house and everything so i went through a lot i had a, a jaguar xjr jaguar at the time that, yeah a that, lot of cars man uh, yeah man yeah. but i was funny i was i had no money but people thought i had money because i was rolling up to open mics in this jag and then like shortly after that i was riding a bike you know, it's all the difference. Literally, not even. I didn't even. I don't know if people did or not. But yeah. I mean, the haha -ha would know because that's where I started this club. So I would roll up in the Jag in the beginning, and then like little did they know I couldn't make payments on this, and I was trying to get rid of it so bad, so I so I wouldn't lose my ass again. And ended up getting rid of that. So then now I had a bike. I didn't even have a car. And then I went to like a Hyundai Accent. I copped at the auction for like four <laughs> grand or something. So from like a hundred thousand dollar Jag to like a four thousand dollar. Hyundai accent, bro. And uh, it was like the trade off, though, of following your dude. Dream. And then, yeah, I was way more happy, though. So then, yeah, for a while, I was just taking my bike to the bus, <laughs> um, taking the bus to, I mean, the, the train to Hollywood, North Hollywood, jumping off the train, riding my bike to the haha. -ha, and then I would do open mics from five o'clock every day. I worked there for free every day just to get on stage. How, wait, how long would you be at the, what would you do at the haha? -ha? I would sit there and make phone calls. You make phone calls and go, hey guys, you want tickets to come to the show just to get the room full. So they do ticket giveaways. It's like some bullshit that they do that like, you know. That's, what you, so that's how you started though. That was my hustle. And I would walk Lancashire Boulevard and pedal tickets to the people that were on the street to get them to come to the show. And if enough people came, then I would get to go a few minutes on the late show, which was- that, So that was the clause is if you got enough people in there, then you get yeah, to go on. Yeah. And also like, the open mic I would get to do because the open mic, anyone could do it, right? It starts at like five or six or some shit and everyone's there and then you have to pay five bucks to go up. And how many minutes do you get? That's how you get like five minutes. So okay. you pay five bucks 
and you give, but I was like over that. I just wanted a place because it's LA. It's hard to get on. Even open mics are hard to get if you yeah. don't know the people because it's all it's like, all relationships. Yeah, it's all you have to know the guys. These yeah, are yeah. guys that have been working together for years that like only their buddies get on. And I started to realize that really early. And I did have like a little bit of a business head. So I'm like, look, I'm not going to be able to pay this five bucks every day. So I'm going to come every day. That adds up, So dude. I talked to the owner and I go, hey, I made a deal with him. I go, hey, I'll come here every day and I'll do some work. I'll like, you know, make the calls and I'll go out on the street and pedal. And I, and I enjoyed that because I would go out and talk to people. And I'd yeah, be, okay. oh, well, it's like you said, show. how you grew up. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. It was a little street hustle, you know. And then I would walk out there and be like, hey, man, there's a great show coming up. And I would lie and be like, yo, Damon Waynes is coming. Because you know, he would, he, they, these guys would all have been, been had passed through there. Yeah. But like, you know, I saw how the owner did it. And, you know, he would just bullshit. Be like, yeah, I know we have it. Oh, they're going to be here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, upsell. Yeah, you upsell. And if they came, no one ever left pissed. Because they, it was always going to be a good show. Yeah. You know, because they you just booked, had to get him in the room. They booked decent people. Yeah. It was just like everyone left happy. You know, there's never anyone that came and was like, hey, man. You lied to me. Yeah. Oh, and so, like, that, I did that hustle for about a year there. And then I had the show, the So Funny Sundays. He gave me a show. And then, and the reason he gave me a show, because he knew I could fill out a Sunday, because I would go hustle to get these people to come. So, on a Sunday that was dead, he gave the show to me and was like, hey, this is your show. I'll put you on the marquee. So, that gave me incentive to be like, you know, young, hungry comic. How I'm many like, people would you get into? I'll get like 120 people in that play, 150 when it was like normally dead. So I'm making that guy a ton of money, the owner. Yeah, because they make the a lot of- Oh, dude, off food and food drinks and, drink, yeah. and all that. So I would go and pedal guys off the street. Dude, but yo, hold up. Getting 100, 150, that's not easy. Man. No, man. I would make, so when, remember, remember when I would tell you I'd make phone calls? So I would call, dude, from Monday to freaking Saturday. I would be on the phone calling people. Yeah. And being like, yo, and it's people that have come in. You might call the same person 10 times. You got to keep doing it. Yeah. Because they would put their name in a, like a notebook. Like when they came to the show, they yeah. would put their name and phone number and an email in a notebook. Then so we would them. go through the notebooks and there was like 20 of these notebooks. And you just go through and go, hey, Mr. Chavez, like uh, you won 10 free tickets? They go, ha ha, congratulations. We did a raffle. It was all bullshit. Was like, <laughs> I was calling everybody. It's like, I won you last won? week. Yeah. And they go, yeah, man, you won again. You're lucky. You know? Did, that, so, did that happen? Where they'd be like, yo, oh, I won. Dude, people would hang up on me. People would cuss me out. People would like take me off the list. But then you were like, okay. And you'd cross their name out. If they were really pissed, yeah. you'd cross their name out. But then their name was probably somewhere... Again? Later in there, yeah. yeah. And then there were some people that were happy. They're like, oh my God, we won again. Yeah, this like, is Lucy, sweet. we won again. Like, And they would come. And so I would do that Monday to Saturday to get my room full. So I would get a thousand reservations. Yeah. I would give out a thousand tickets to get a hundred people. No, more, 2,000. Because you know, yeah, yeah people, because they're not going to show. some nights, it, you would have 50 people come, you know. Was or, there ever a time where you got, where it was like, it was just so Yeah, packed? sure. There were some nights, because I would over, because once I started seeing that this works, I was like, oh man, I want my show to be the show. Oh, it would be sold so, out. Yeah, so every time. And then that's how I would start to get comedians from, because the haha has a little bit of stigma to it because it's kind of like, it's not like the big three, like the improv, the comedy store, and the laugh factory. It's those are those. big three Those are the big three in LA. So if you live out here, you that's the clubs you want to work. But when you're new, or if you're a comedian that came from New York or something that doesn't yeah. know, you're not in yet, you end up at the haha because that's a place that people get up on stage. But now, you know, some people say, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, a little shitty to comics in the beginning or whatever you know money wise you're not going to make a dollar there well it's like you said yeah you were doing but but it's all just for stage time practice. you get something out of it yeah i got something out of it as just like jack the owner got something out of it because he was making money off of whatever hustle i was doing and you were able to actually get stage time. so i was able to get stage time which let me cut my teeth and become good at what i'm doing so going back to that too because i know there's a few things i wanted to ask you were saying how you'd bomb on stage that's where you bomb oh on stage. dude i would bomb night after night and i'm but i mean i 
also knew naturally I'm funny. So there was, you know, it wasn't like every night I was eating a dick. It was like, <laughs> I was I was pretty good for the beginners. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like you could tell and he could tell. That you had talent. That I have talent. And I know that, you know, I knew from the get-go. I was like, oh, dude, you look at my yearbooks from the back of the day. I'm not trying to blow smoke up my ass. But every, it wasn't a shock when I was like, I'm doing comedy now. Everyone's every, like, oh, it's like, a mirror. Dude, and every yeah. note in my book is like, you're the funniest guy. I know you're funny, you're funny, you're funny. Like having class with you was the best or whatever because, you know, that was it. Because that's all I cared about. I would go to school to just make people laugh and like look forward to lunchtime. You'd be that guy, man. You were yeah. always uh, well, you were always putting on a show. Always, dude. Because I felt made me feel good. You know, it uh, made I me feel like man. made me feel wanted or made me feel like I, I was liked by everyone. Yeah. Well, so, I, um, so yeah, that was it, dude. And I would do that, and then, and then, me and Jack had a falling out. Everyone has a falling out with the hot at some point, you know. It's inevitable. There, yeah, it's inevitable. It's like everyone's had some. You have to but, have but, a. Honestly, they're like family, though. Like I, when I started, and the the owner is Lebanese, um, Armenian, and, oh, wow. and so like he, it was so weird because he had this like weird like I saw my dad in him a lot, you know. And, oh yeah. And um, it was just crazy. And Terry the. the his wife, I love her. I mean, you know, but they've, like I said, a lot of comedians have had, like bad blood with them because like, you know, he screwed him over somehow. But like, you just got to know where he's coming from. He's like the hustler business mentality. dude. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, you got to just You can't know, take it to heart. You can't. He's just making money, man. He's just like he's doing, doing his, his thing. Yeah. So that's his hustle. Like, let it be. Yeah. And, and you know, it's like. But would you say some people just get so emotional? They get so emotional yeah. about that. And yeah. they're like, oh man, no, that place will yeah. never go back. I'm like, dude, that place is sold out every night. Every time I, now the relationship I have with them is great. Like I go anytime. They're so good to me. You know, they're like, appreciate that I come in there still. And I appreciate that they give me the time. Anytime I want to go in there, there's yeah. no, nowhere else in LA. Can I just walk in and go do 30 minutes if I want to, or go, Terry, please just like, let me go up anytime. I don't even need to be on the show. Yeah. You know, that's I just a lot walk, of that's walk crazy. in and do that. You know, I'm, I'm not Chappelle, you know? So like, that's pretty cool to be able to do that right that's now. That's not a small thing. So look, now that you went through that, you were you you went through the process. You're practicing, practicing, practicing. You were selling all these tickets. You saw that from the bottom to the uh, top. When is it that things started really flowing? Like how many years was it? Oh, into years, it? years. You know, but you do that. You do that stuff just to get the time right. So like before you start making money. So you just want to get good. You want to get good. So people start talking about you. You don't talk about yourself, which I see a lot of comedians make a mistake of doing. Oh wait, hold on. Let's take a quick break. I want to hear about why why it is, why it's a huge mistake. We'll be right back in like 15 seconds. You're listening to Conversation on Ruckus Avenue Radio in Dash. Download the Dash Radio app for your device and tune in to Ruckus Avenue. Dash Radio's exclusive South Asian radio station. What's up, everybody? You're back with a conversation on Ruckus Avenue Radio and Dash. I'm here with my man, Amir K. Still here. Yeah, he's still here, man. Thank God he's still here. Um, so basically, you're saying that a lot of people, they start talking themselves up in the community. Com- like this realm of comedy. Yeah, it's a it's a common mistake, bro. It's like, yeah, sure, these guys fake it till you make it type of mentality, and it's just that's not it, man. It's like when you become good and great, yeah, people start talking about you, and that's the type of word you want on the street. You that Bruce Lee it. quote: "When you're good, you tell everyone. When you're great, yeah, they'll tell you." Yeah, exactly, bro. That's what it is. So you don't you don't you know brag and boast or whatever. I'm you know don't. Uh, not to say don't believe in yourself, you know, you can think all that stuff yeah. in your own head, but you don't go around telling everyone, I'm the best guy, you know, there is like, I'm, well, I should be on every show. Did like, you meet no. people, a lot of people like that? There's some people like that, that, you know, when you're starting and they, they just don't get it. And there's yeah. always going to be that. But, but then you become good. You work on your thing. You work, you work, you work, you work, you start, you bomb every night, you bomb every night. Sure. But then eventually people start talking about you. Go, hey man, have you seen this kid? Like, he's pretty funny, he's good, man. Yeah. This guy's really good. And then they start talking and then all of a sudden like the other guys that, 
you've been, and they see you every night. So then the older guys start respecting you. They go, oh, okay. There's comics. There's a billion comics in LA, especially now. There's thousands of comics in LA. Everyone's a comic, you know, like, because they're watching all these programs and listening to Joe Rogan and they're, you know, the comedy's hot right now. It's yeah. like another comedy boom. If you That's will, happening like, right now. Yeah, I mean, it boom. happened in the 80s and, yeah. you know, it gets flooded and then, and then there's like a little lull because it was too much comedy everywhere. Now you see with Netflix releasing a special every 16 minutes. Yeah, what's up with that, man? Well, I mean, it's, it's because they're, it's selling, dude. People are watching and people are so hungry for comedy right now. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not to say it's like it's flooding the market, but it, you know, it's diluted. It's not a special, like it doesn't feel special anymore when someone comes out with something. It's just like, okay, here's the material I did for the year. But like back in the day, it take 10 years for a guy to come out with a special, five years to come out with a special. Yeah, time. It didn't do them every year. It was like every three, five years, it maybe, you know, the best guys, the top dudes would put something together. Not everybody's got one. Now it's like, dude, this guy Joe did comedy three times and now he's got a special because he's got a, a million followers on Instagram. Oh, yeah. That but it's all, I don't want to talk negative about yeah, it because yeah. I don't mind it. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Cause you're your, you're your own, you're your own, you know, you're in charge of your own destiny in this 100%. craft, in this game, dude, you do whatever you got. You have ability to exist. You don't need permission. You can go on YouTube, put your stuff out there and people, the gatekeeper it's, dude, it's like SoundCloud for rappers. Yeah. Like I can go on YouTube and if my shit's dope, people are going to come. They're going to come. And man. then they're going to come buy tickets. Yeah, and so yeah. that's how the game has changed now. So it's not like these industry guys don't control it anymore it's yeah. like you can i sell tickets fine i go out and i do weekends and you know some markets are better than others because i've been there more but as i realized that i do need to use like this social media stuff to yeah. put my stuff out and just so like people can see me because you know i can go kill every night but if it's only in that little city and only those you'll, you'll become a big fish in a small pond yeah, not even a big fish in a small pond it's just like 200 people just saw you as opposed to you know uh you know 10 billion people that are a able to see you on like a social media platform. You're not limiting yourself. You're not limiting yourself. Yeah, yeah. just to that audience for the night. So that's what that's what's uh, cool about the social media game. And that's what's changed the industry a little bit. And so so, now, so for you then, um, now like what's, what's with, ha with all this happening now, what's on your radar, man? What are you seeing? What, what do you see with the future of comedy too? Even just being um, like in this realm, you've been here for the last 10 years now. You're coming on 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. And that's a baby in the game if you want to talk about really? it. Really? You know, there's guys like Russell Peters in the game for 30 years. Yeah. You know, it's like, those are the OGs. And there's a guy, so I got 20 more years before I'm at Russell's, you know, like where he's sitting right now. But I mean, it's okay. It's like everyone's got their own journey and you take your own test. Yeah. So you could be doing it for, you know, five years and be popping off. But you do, Gary Goldman, he's a dope comic out of, out of New York. He said something like, uh, He's doing this like he's doing these like things where he's giving like the younger comics some some like like words of wisdom. Yeah, and he said like I, forgot, I don't want to mess the quote up, but it was something like to the effect of it's better for them to see you five years too late or ten years too late than like a second too soon. I like that. You know man. what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's better to be be like it's a delayed gratification rather than the instant gratification of it yeah when you're completely ready and they see you so it's like and it's okay it's like it's okay like some guys will think they've been doing a comedy for a week or two and they're like i'm great and they're putting their stuff out but when you watch that thing after like a year you're like god that was garbage that was really bad yeah. and, you, and it's like that with every art i think you know you think you're good and every year you get better so for what i'm for what i think about comedy right now it's like okay look everyone's getting to see all this comedy. Everything, yeah. So you get to choose too and go, hey man, some of it's not great. Some of it's amazing. And so if you are good, and like I said, it all weeds itself out, dude. Always. The cream rises to the top. Every always. Every time, yeah. 
And sure, there are some people that get a little more of a push because they know this guy or they knew that guy. But at the end of the day, the work is the work. You can't fake that. You got to look at that and say, okay, this is making me laugh or it's not. Yeah. So that's up to you. And so I think if you're talented, man, put it out there. I like and that's that. what I'm just starting to realize. 10 years in the game. I was so precious with my shit thinking it was like the old ways. I'm like, oh, I'm going to hold on, wait for a special. It ain't those days no more. That's interesting because I was talking to a young artist yesterday. I said to him, I said, look, man, if you're really good, your stuff's never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Put it out there. You've been putting in the work. Just put it out there. Now, it's hard. And that was my problem for the longest time. I'm the biggest, like, perfect. It'll take me an hour and a half to just think, like, you know, of if I, back in the day, I would be like, oh, I'm going to post this thing video. Oh, no, I don't like this about, you know, like, oh, I don't like that about it. Yeah. I'd find some imperfection. Where I'd be like, oh, I've done that bit better, like, on another night that I just didn't tape it. So let me get it. So I'm not going to, I can't yeah, post this. I can't this. put I this can't. one because I missed that word. Or, and it's just dumb because that, that also like that stunts your growth in the other way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent. It doesn't do anything at yeah. the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So you're saying basically that now with the way that things have changed, the landscape of it as well, that it's like, okay, look, none of this is crazy news. It's that if you really do put in the work, mm -hmm. the OGs, everyone is going to notice that, yo, he's actually putting in the work. Yeah. Um, also on top of that too, like you, I really love what you said is it's better to, um, they see you. What was it? They see you. It's not my quote. That's a Gary Goldman quote. That's uh, wonderful. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was like, it's better for them to see you five years too late than a second too soon, which is like beautiful because it's true. Because like, you know, you might come out and then you know how people are nowadays. They're just like, see, you know, oh, that guy sucks. And yeah. They just saw you and then you don't have- They don't give you a chance you ever get, again. Yeah, you don't, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression is another- that's oh, a good one. Look at this. Damn, man. Yeah, Amir K. I see you. That's our mind, though. No, Stop. Hey, just using, I'm just taking somebody else's <laughs> stuff. I've heard. But anyway, um, the bottom line is there is two elements now. There's the work that you put in and yeah. also letting the people, let, let yourself shine. Don't be afraid to let yourself shine. And that's what I was afraid to do for years. And that's why, like, I don't have clips on. I don't have too many clips because I was always scared. I was like, okay, I'm not. No, no, no. Well, I'm going to wait for my special to put it out because then people are going to see it. Truth of the matter is it doesn't, matter dude just just put it out put it out there yeah because um times change and there's bits that i'm sick of doing that i can't even put out anymore because i'm sick of doing them i'm done so look because look we have about uh, we have about 10 minutes left, but these 10 minutes i saved because i wanted to ask you about the that process for you man is when you do go and you find you you get a bit how does that happen how does that happen for you you get you know what i'm gonna make fun of i want to talk about this issue what's that process like for you just giving the people a glimpse I of I mean, that. everyone's is different, right? Yeah. So my process is like, I'll be just, you know, living my life and then yeah. something happens and I go, oh my God, I want to talk about that. Or a story happens to me or yeah. something happens that's funny that I think I want to talk about. And that, so I'll take that little seed of whatever the 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 idea was and I'll take it to the stage and start riffing it out. So you just go on the stage. I'll start talking about it on stage because I, I've learned that like, if you're just comfortable that, that you know, okay, I'm good. And I'm and I'm and I'm funny. Just trust that I'm gonna be funny here, and take that little idea and work it out. It'll just come out in some way. So if it might bomb the first night, but I'm gonna, <laughs> but uh, there's more shows to be had. I'm gonna do more. I'm gonna do another one the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and the next night. So you still have, you refine it. You refine it. It's like a sculpture. Yeah. Right. It's like a, a block of marble. That shit isn't Michelangelo right away. Oh, no, right. You got to work and chip and chip away and chip away. And that's what a good bit. I think for me, that's what I've learned that I work it that way. Like I'll just, and a lot of guys like maybe listening to this, if you're a comedian and be like, Oh no, no, that's not how I do it. I write every word, word for word. And that's great because there's like a lot of New York guys do that. They're like very well written and they're not, I'm more performance based. I feel like you come and watch me, you know, I, I, 
like to be physical. You know, I like yeah, to move you. That was a difference. I saw that. Yeah, I like to move around because I feel like it's a show. Like if you came to see a show, I want to perform as if it's a show. I don't want to do it like you can listen to my album yeah. or you can be in, close your eyes and be in the room. It's the same thing. I want to use like most of the senses. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but I think also with improv, one thing I'm learning because I do a lot of speaking engagements. Mm. And it's a lot of playing with the crowd too and connecting with them. And even with this type of show, it's like, it's Im it's improv basically. Yeah. Where you have to see whatever is given to you. And I love that about when I watch your show is that's what you, I could see the difference. There's some young comedian. There's that day that we were there. There's some young guy that he just, he had a tough day. Yeah, you stick to the script. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like once you write like that, I used to write like that. I used to write word for word. And there's something good to be said about that because you can use the economy of words and just like really cut out the fat. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, I don't know if you saw me, like I might say some extra shit that doesn't need to be said, but I just do it because it's conversational and that's the way I'm flowing at that, yeah, that yeah. night. And it's okay for me because I, I don't mind it because it's it's in the moment. Yeah. You but, got good at that. Yeah, I got good at that. I got good at that. So I'm like, I like to perform that way. That's how I operate. But there's other guys that don't. They just write it out. And I used to do that. And then all, uh, what I started to notice when I would do that was after the fucking 200th time I've done it or 100th time I've done it, because yeah. you're going to do this set a bunch of times, it started to sound like a robot. It started to sound like a tape. You know, like- It wasn't know. challenging you anymore either. Yeah, and it was like, then I was just getting bored with, okay, I'm going to go up and say the same exact thing the exact same way every single time. And then you lose like whatever feeling and that emotion that you performed it with the first few times. Yeah. And once that's gone, it's like the the magic of the thing is is goes away. So- I started to realize by watching some other guys, I'd be like, oh, like Sebastian's a really good dude. That He might say the same joke, you know, 25 times or something. I watched him work too. I opened for him a few times and I was yeah. like, damn, it looks like he's saying the shit for the first time every time. But the reason for that is because he says it differently or he gets into it a different way or, and not drastically. Yeah. I mean, the core it's of like the bit is the same. Details. But it's just like the way he does it, he, it, it, it gets like, it fits what's happening in the room at the moment. So it makes more sense. You know, it's not just da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So if I can even add to that, would it be that, you know, every room, it's a, every every single time it's a different room. Yeah. Every person in there, it's just a unique. Because I remember Donnell, what he was really good at was he was just playing with the people in the front. And I think the mm -hmm. same thing that I could see the difference between different, like comics. They know that, okay, there's something there. I'm going to use that. I went to the, the comedy cellar in New York too. So I got to see that as well. And it was interesting. But it's like you're basically limiting yourself from being able to have, to use those resources as well. Mm -hmm. If you're just going with the script, would you agree with that? Yeah, but I mean, like like I said, there is Some there is good and bad to both that. Because once you start getting to be like that, because they're all skills and tools you should have. Like you should be able to be well written. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. should be able to do crowd work, and you should be able to like be off the cuff, and you should be able to go in and out of your bits. You should be able to do all this stuff. You know, deal with a rowdy room. You should be able to deal with a silent, attentive room. You know, and not just gear your set toward a rowdy room that's crazy. And, you know, all you have is like shut shutdowns for you know guys that are trying to heckle you. Like going to Vancouver. Yeah, to yeah, just like be well rounded. <laughs> and it all works. So it's like they're all skill sets. And if you just have all of them, then you'd be you know, you'd be able to work everywhere. Dude, that's incredible. Because again, you're the first uh, comic that I've interviewed on the show, and just learning about your journey and how your upbringing and just the depth. It makes sense. It makes sense why when I, we did listen to your show that day that you were the favorite comic for, I'm not saying this because you're on the show, you were the favorite comic for all of us that day. And that was because it was, there was just so much substance to it. And the fact that, again, being you're not a, I find that being a South Brown guy right now in the world we live in, there's a lot of things we could talk about, man, that most people aren't really, haven't really discussed before because in our communities, there's not many people in the creative realm. Mm -hmm. 
There's, that's what I'm learning as well. Is there not many? There's like you say, Russell Peters, but then there's probably maybe, maybe hundred, fifty, two hundred, whatever. Maybe, but that's still a, uh, not a, that's not a lot of uh, brown comics in general. But what I love to see is that there's more and more. They're coming, like, they're, dude. They're coming. You, so every, you're seeing e- that, dude. Every yes. I mean, there's a few Amirs now doing common. Like, you know, there's other Amir. I'm like, what? You're like, what? Another Amir? No, I love it because it's just like, that's great. Because that wasn't like that when I started. And it's crazy to say that. Not like I'm a veteran OG or anything like that. But you, dude, you are really in the game. With the Brown community, there's like five of us. There was like Maz, me, Kayvon, Max, you know, Tehran. There's like five comedians that do stand up that are Persian, you know, background. And then like, you know, Omi Jalili in in London. And like, I'm I'm probably missing a couple other, but like, like Dan. And and now there's like, dude, hundreds and hundreds, and then they're coming out and they're reaching out on Instagram or Facebook and like going like, hey, dude, and I'll always respond and, and encourage them and be like, dude, keep it up, do your thing, just talk whatever you want to talk about. Like that father figure, not man. even. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I just want to let them know that it's okay, dude. Talk about everything, and don't just be think open. you have to talk about Iranian shit because, dude. I grew up in a place of everyone. I want to include everyone and also be relatable to everybody, man. I don't want to just ha- have one type Put of Put yourself in a box. Like one guy be able to come to my show, like immigrant guy that moved here when he was five <laughs> can only watch my shit. No, man. Everyone can watch my shit because I'm a human being. Yeah. I love that. And that's the best way I think to end with this as well is that we're superfluous, man. Mm-hmm. We're just- I got to look that word up. But superfluous. <laughs> I, that's the biggest word I've ever said in my that life. No, bro. I'm proud of you. No, that's a, a big one. Syllables that's like, I got to pat myself well, on the back like it, bro. But uh, for an educated guy, man, I had to bring that up. But why I bring say that is that you can't put yourself in a box, man. And I love that. I think that that's why um, your comedy is just incredible. Like you said too, why are we just sticking to one echo chamber, mm-hmm. right? And I'm excited for the future. I know that there's gonna be some crazy things coming. Up. I'm excited to be out here right now. I'm excited for the whole diaspora, all these young kids. Um, out in Surrey, actually, in Vancouver, in North Van, there's a lot of young Iranian kids, as an example. Dude, I don't think they know any, any comedians at all out there. And so when I go back and just connect with them, I'm going to send them your stuff and say, look, guys, like, it's okay, man. You don't have to be the guy wearing white Pumas and driving a BMW. You know, they love the Pumas, bro. Oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> North Van is full of Iranians. Yeah, dude. so many, man. And uh, they're cool, too. But it's like, yeah, they're a little bit um, just a tad touch behind, I think, on on the on the the comedy culture. They don't bit. know about it. I don't think they know. And so that's why even with this show, if you're listening in, um, I'm telling you, look, check out Amir K stuff. Check out the YouTube, Instagram. It's Amir K, right? On Instagram? Amir Comedy. Amir Comedy on Instagram. Uh, just go. I'm sure that you'll probably have a special real soon. It'll happen, man. This yeah, guy. I'm working on some other stuff. Yeah, dude. It'll, I it'll bet. be out there. You got the, the Mad, was it Mad TV? Yeah, Mad right? TV. There's so many things that I know that we didn't get to dive in, but I it's also know that when things get bigger, uh, I'm going to be trying to find you again, man. That's and it, baby. So, I'll come in anytime, dog. I appreciate you, man. My, my guy. It my was guy. great to interview. Respect, my man. All right. So, everybody, thank you for listening to Conversation on Ruckus Avenue Radio and Dash. We'll be back every single Monday. Uh, we're going to, we got a lot of interesting things coming. So, I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Apologies in advance. Jealousy ensues, but I choose to understand. I said slow, think slower Cause people are to judge when they barely even know you Let me say that again I said slow, think slower Cause people are to judge when they barely even know you 
When I was seven, used to rock soldiers. Hot boys had it poppin' from the Noya. I need a project chick from the corner. Cause I had a friend, she was like 10. Even then, I used to buy blow pops from the corner. Valentine cars, milk money by the quarter. Fast forward, now it's dumb girls, Henny by the fit. 20 pump six condoms and recorders. Fucking out of spite, kinda sorta. Got engaged, now I'm thinking about a daughter. Spend a lot of time, even though I can't afford her. Please keep it coming with the brown water. Please. Back when I had plans of being hove, one for a change for the quarter waters. When I was naive to these things, I really wanna follow what my heart shares. Money ain't a thing till it's not there. Bitches ain't shit till you need a queen. And niggas all the same till you meet a king. You know what you need. Welcome to Ruckus Avenue Radio. Dash Radio's exclusive South Asian radio station.